Welcome to Echoes in the Bowl. On this episode, we feature Ronnie Burke, director of Synergy Productions and the creators of one of the most famous festivals in the world, Reggae Sunsplash. Ronnie, welcome. Thank you, sir, for having me here. My uh, pleasure. It's great to have you. We're going to talk about something special to me and something special to you. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Reggae Sunsplash. <laughs> Yes. Tell us about Reggae Sunsplash, how it all started. Well, you know, that was 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I really have to give Tony Johnson the credit as the, the driving force behind Reggae Sunsplash. Um, Tony and Don returned from long stints in the United States. Tony was in California for 17 years. Mm-hmm. Don Green was in New York for 10 and they just happened to, they knew each other, they came home around about the same time. Tony was brought in by the UDC because he was a, a an expert urban planner with high accolades from government mm-hmm. in, in L.A. Mm-hmm. So he came down to work with the UDC. Don was working with the National Housing Trust. I had jumped ship from being a life insurance man for nearly 10 years. And joined my friend Mike Johnson formed this this record company called Micro Music, and uh, we were even from then concentrating a hundred percent on Jamaican music. Micro was about Jamaican music, so these guys came home. John Wakelin was my neighbor and probably my best friend. Was at JBC. So these guys came home, and we used to meet at a little place called Café Datique on Oxford Road. I remember Tommy Cohen's Talent Corporation was in the back. Mm-hmm. And it was a very arty, hip kind of place. So we used to meet and have lunch, and I would endure an hour of cussing from Tony and Don. Mm-hmm. Very upset that they would come in from America, where they had a choice of regular shows on a Friday or a Saturday night to come home to Jamaica, to the home of reggae, and find it difficult to find even a single concert to attend. Mm -hmm. And their view was, correctly, that Jamaica doesn't understand what it has in its original music. They don't understand the impact of this music outside of Jamaica. It's like we're all here sitting around the local table without even looking through the window. And he said, Tony's thing was, regular music is a, is a resource. It's a tourism tool. Mm-hmm. It's a source of income that's being totally ignored. So among his assignments uh, was the Ocherios area, and Tony convinced the UDC to build a stage on the beach adjoining where the cruise ships come in. <clears throat> in order to prove that we could provide local entertainment for tourists. Sadly, unfortunately, he had an, a motor accident on the way to that show, lost one of his eyes. <clears throat> and one would think that an accident like that and the loss of an eye <coughs> Would slow Tony down or even stop him? Not at all. He went back and he kept preaching about the value that's not being appreciated or utilized in our music and our culture generally, you know? So, Beryl Francis was also at the UDC. She left and joined Peter Martin Associates, who were the PR people for the tourist board. And they had a big problem. Jamaica had no summer tourism. Hotels were, when the winter season ended, hotels were shut down, refurbished, staff was laid off, all activities ceased. And their problem was, how can we solve this gap in our tourism? How can we become an all-year destination? And they struck on the idea that music would have been the main attraction. And so they thought about copying something that was going on in Nassau at the time called a Singles Week, 
where they discounted the hotels, discounted the airfares, and <coughs> students mostly, young people, would come down and party for a week and fill their gap. Mm -hmm. And so Jamaica wanted to go in that direction. So Bird approached Tommy Cowan, liked the idea, but thought that he wouldn't be interested in doing it unless it was funded. Uh, he wasn't going to be in, he wasn't willing to find the funds to do mm. and take that risk. She went to Ed Wallace with the same proposal and Ed said the same thing. And then she remembered her office friend, Tony Johnson, mm -hmm. the fanatic. <laughs> and she went to Tony and he didn't blink. He said, we will do it. Mm -hmm. And so Tony called, <coughs> called in Don, John and myself, Maxine Walters, and formed this company called Synergy Productions. And we spent days and nights and days and nights planning what was at that time an eight-day festival. Mm. Two beach parties, five nights of concerts, disco after each show, crazy. Mm -hmm. And we made this presentation to Peter Martin and they were interested. The tourist board headed by Desmond Henry was a bit cautious. Um, who really came through for us was Barbara Glidon. Mm -hmm. She was a believer. And so we pressed forward and finally got an approval for the plan that we had laid out. Um, and the format was that the tourist board felt confident that they could bring in 2,000 visitors. Uh, we would put on <coughs> this festival of music and cultural events, and out of the package, Synergy would receive $70 US mm -hmm. per person. And this was the basis of our finance, because we never really had any money. Yeah. We were just a fire with the love of the music and mm -hmm. the idea. Yeah. And <coughs> So we went to the bank with this proposal. Um, had to put up some hard assets. Tony and Don had really expensive vehicles that brought in with them, put them up, and went forward with the planning of Sunsplash. Dennis, let me tell you this. When we look back at what we started with and what we planned, we now wonder if we had gone crazy. You're talking about... <coughs> No generators, mm -hmm. no standby generators, yes. no handheld radios, yes. <laughs> no stage, no rig, no rig, <laughs> no PA, nothing. Yes. It is some heroes, Mr. Carter from Ward Theatre, yeah. brought down the lights from Ward mm -hmm. to do what he could. Bought a piece of the stage from the JDF and a piece from the JCDC, put mm -hmm. them together. Um, Audio Fund, who, who remains one of my personal heroes, because mm -hmm. what he undertook was way beyond what Paul Dahl had ever tried, but he was not a man to turn on a challenge. So. Mm -hmm. And John Wilkin was a produ production <coughs> person. Um, bear in mind, none of us had ever done a concert. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because of my micron background and my familiarity <coughs> with virtually all the artists, mm -hmm. I was the one who, along with the guys, put together the nightly entertainment packages. Uh, we had no sponsor. Uh, and in fact, DNG gave us about 50 cases of red stripe beer, which they dumped on the field and drove off. We had nowhere to store them in Jared Park because Jared Park was the only possible venue. Mm -hmm. It was so unsuitable. It had like four toilets. Yeah. It had six foot walls. It had virtually no facilities and they were very tough on us. I mean, <clears throat> the people who controlled Jared Park, the parish councillor, had a what they call a guild club in there, which was 
colonized building and I denied us use of it. And in fact, insisted that <clears throat> their members would pay half price. And we had to bow to that in order to get Jared mm -hmm. Park. Yeah. To back up a bit, when the idea came together, we came down to Montego Bay and made a presentation to the parish council. Entirely fire, police, medical, you name it. <coughs> Big meeting. And we presented the idea. <coughs> well, this is what we're going to do, a festival of music. And then it's, can you believe <laughs> that the mayor <coughs> came out with a, a prepared list of 18 areas of disbursement of the profits of Sunsplash, which had not <laughs> yet taken place, <laughs> and which they didn't even give us drive part. Mm -hmm. No support at all. Mm -hmm. But this demand <laughs> for fix this, fix that, bush this, bush that, all of this was coming out of mm -hmm. our profits. Yeah. And Tony was a man who didn't take much prisoners, went berserk. Tony took the microphone and really and truly put everybody in their place. Mm -hmm. And I don't think in the 18 years we were in Montego Bay, we ever overcame that confrontation. Mm -hmm. Because our label became them boy from Kingston. <laughs> 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 and remained so for mm -hmm. our entire stadium. Mm -hmm. But anyway, <clears throat> back to the festival. We stumbled through it. We... We could never have done Sunsplash without the instant acceptance and recognition of where it could go from the artists. Mm -hmm. That was the easiest part of the whole project. Do you remember the lineup for the first Sunsplash? <laughs> I remember that <clears throat> Jimmy Cliff was the headline act. Mm -hmm. I remember that we had a reunited Heptones, right, Toots. Jacob Miller, in a circle band, rather. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember beyond that. I remember, though, that <coughs> during Jacob's performance, when he was singing, them get a big stride for lock up, Rastafari, he bent over the stage and plucked. I held it off a policeman and put on his locks and lit up a massive split. <laughs> <laughs> and the police response was to walk, march through the gates mm -hmm. and leave the venue. Okay. And declare that it would not happen again. This mm -hmm. was the end of the festival. Mm -hmm. So we had a big emergency meeting at the tourist board the next morning. And <laughs> eventually, Grudgingly, mm -hmm. we promised that that would never happen again. Yes. We apologized, and so we got it back together. And so somehow we stumbled through, and we delivered all that we had advertised. Not smooth, mm -hmm. lots of hitches, lots of crises, lots of panics, but we delivered it. That was 77 or 78? 78, yeah. yeah. And at the end of that time, we were, if we thought we were broke before, mm. we were really broke now. Mm. We cleaned out all our resources. <coughs> Banks sold the vehicles. Mm -hmm. um, the creditors were coming everywhere. And we had no idea where we could go from there. We didn't know what next to do. And then, because when I was at Micron, I used to sell, we used to sell Not A Dead Album for Bob Marley. Mm -hmm. We did an exceptional job of it. We sold 25,000 copies of that album in 77 or so. Mm -hmm. So I would go to 56 every now and again. And one day I went up there and Bob was sitting on that tree and he said, come here. <coughs> and he said, I see your poster say, you have the biggest reggae festival in the history of the world, which it did. Mm -hmm. I said, yeah. <coughs> he said, well, that's a lie. So, why is it a lie? He said, we call me another pun. it. Upon it yeah. <laughs> I said, well, boy, Bob, let me tell you the truth. The first artist I tried to get was you. I went to Don Taylor, and you would have nothing to do with it. He said, no, man, me like that, you know, me like what you're doing. 
I like where that can go. So you tell Mr. Taylor, say, me, Bob Marley, say, me, do it. Mm. And then he said, I'll do it for 10,000 Jamaican dollars. Mm. I went to Taylor, said, look. He said, well, no, it can't be 10. It's 15. Both grab it. The minute we had Bob Marley to present in Montego Bay, everything changed. Mm. Tourist board came alive again. Mm -hmm. um, I should tell you that the, of the 2,000 visitors at $70 that we were to get, they delivered 23, mm -hmm. hence our bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but everything came alive again, <clears throat> and the response was just incredible because instantly the hotels were booked out. Mm -hmm. The villas were booked out. Negril was booked out. Falmouth was booked mm. out. Discovery Bay was booked, booked out. out. It was chaotic. The porters now, having anticipated closing down, had no supplies. Mm. The road was chucked with Grace Kennedy trucks and D&G trucks and in a panic to restock. Commentically, really wasn't ready for or expect this. Yeah. People were sleeping in the airport in Miami, just in the hope of getting a flight in. People were sleeping on Doctor's Cave Beach, on Cornwall Beach. People were sleeping in their cars. Mm -hmm. That is the effect of Mr. Marley. And out of the blue came a guy named Yamas Grant, who said he had the right to film Bob at Sunsplash. And he offered us a sizable payment for um, location rights, U.S. dollars, which we took to the bank, this contract, and they gave us money. But as the time came closer, we heard less and less from Mr. Yamas, and it turned out that his whole thing had crashed. So we were on our own. The bank, having given us the money, now couldn't take it back. And so we went forward. But we had learned a lot more about production. Because of the 78, mm -hmm. we were a little better at what we were doing in the 79. Mm -hmm. And the shows went really well. They didn't run on time because I was going to be a nemesis for many years. Start late, end late. Lots of feedback, <laughs> lots of breaking down. <laughs> but, but, but the thing is... What changes? Yeah, but, but the, thing is, the thing is, uh, it was... It, it was almost a, like a part of the festival in, this, in those days because the, the, the kind of vibe and the energy on, on the field at, at Jared Park, a lot of people almost didn't mind yeah, some, of, some of the out. issues. You the, know? the stars it, loved it. Yeah, and so people waited <laughs> and on... You know, what had happened, you know, is that Sunsplash had become a reunion greeting place. Yeah. People who live in the States had come mm, down and yeah. cousin coming from Kingston mm. and Montreal. It, it, it has already started to gel as a, more than just a concert. It was becoming a, a movement. And a lot of tourists got, got a first-hand interaction with, with the Jamaican people. Yes, and it was so lasting. The average Jamaican. Lasting. Yeah. We had marriages. Yeah. We have friendships that today are still around. Yeah. You know, it was, it proved to be, you know, when we were forced to leave Montego Bay and we went out to Jam World, the main failure of Jam World was that the Portmore people, who could easily have sold out Sunsplash mm. because of their density, they wanted to go to Montego Bay. They never asked you at all. <laughs> don't, go, don't go to Jam World yet. Let's, let's stay, give, tell me some more about the Bob Marley year, 79. Okay. And then I want to go to 1980 because you had to make a move. Yes. But yes. stay with 1979. Bob delivered. We, we, Synergy, spent the night in the building where we were selling tickets, sitting on a table with our feet against the wall, which mm. was wooden, which was pulsing like it was going to come down. Mm -hmm. The amount of people that was there. We had people climbing over the walls. We had police firing gunshots in the air. We had people screaming, have a ticket, have a ticket, don't shoot. But yeah. it finally settled down and became a really nice night. 
Bob did a nice two-hour show, and everybody was... Who else was on the show, if you can remember? I don't remember who was on that night, but I know that that was Friday night, and I know that Saturday night, Third World put down a show that I will never forget. It's almost like Bob had taken Friday, so mm -hmm. let's go for Saturday. Mm -hmm. They went. It was fantastic, you know? Always toots. Um, I think we're in a circle again. Mm. But, you know, then it's these lineups that still are jumbling in my head. I really should have brought some literature so I could keep up with those things. It brought, it brought in sponsorship. Ting, which was just rising, was a substantial sponsor, which Ronnie Nasrallah, who we will, we are an ally for life, brought to the table. Um, the hotels struggled to cope. What we realized is that Montego Bay had never seen 100% occupancy. They couldn't fix the beds before 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. There was water shortage. People were showering upstairs at two weeks until downstairs finished. It was, the town was mm. struggling to cope, you know, with, with services and supplies. Yeah. Um, but everybody came awake to, boy, these guys were really right. Mm -hmm. This thing can really work. And then came 1980, 80. when they declared... A state. A, they, it was a election. Yeah. And it was so... You remember that? You remember that it's over 800 people were killed in 1980. 1980, yeah. First time we ever saw anything like that. It yeah. was like a 300 or something. And all the big countries said, forget Jamaica. Made no sense to go to Montego Bay. Mm. We, we are tourist-oriented objective. And so tourist board said, look, we can't not do it. We have to establish continuity. So we said the compromise was going to be Ronnie Williams Center because there was no 5,000 capacity. That was my first sunsplash. <laughs> yes? Yeah. You know, that sunsplash <coughs> brought to the stage, acts that we had never had before. Peter Tosh for one. I Peter think the Tosh. All the time he ever did something. Barrington Levy, a young Barrington Levy. Young Barrington Levy. Yeah. Sugar Miner. Sugar Miner. Michigan and Smile. Yes, Carlin Davis. Culture. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> An amazing, yeah. amazing performance. Amazing. You know? Yeah. You know? um, I can laugh at the irony of the fact that the tourist board had seeded the project with $130,000. Jamaican. And of course, it didn't make no money. <laughs> and they said, I'm more about the money. Free me more about your money. <laughs> you are the ones that tell us that we have to do it. And mm. we all realize we're going into Jai Park, we're not going to make no money. Yeah. And so now we want our money. They took us to court. Mm -hmm. The judge threw out them, us. <laughs> Anything you could find to throw out, they threw out. If yeah. a man goes to down and work with the business and don't waste the court's time. Yeah. So we had a good laugh and mm -hmm. I knew it. Come 81 now. Once again, we have not the first dollar. We're broke. We want to go back to Montego Bay. Government has changed. I have a good relationship with Babsy Grange because she introduced me to Colleen Davis and we became quite good friends. Mm. Babsy was in the Ministry of Culture at the time. <coughs> Forget what she was. Um, went to her and said, look, we want to do this festival. It has proven itself, but we don't have the money. We, we, we are, we're looking to the government to give us some backing so we can go back down there. <coughs> she said, okay, she would go to the Prime Minister, who flat to refuse to have anything to do with it. Mm. And so we were adrift again. <clears throat> and then Bob died. Mm. And when Bob died, Bob went back to the Prime Minister and said, look, we could put on this festival, 
we would hire Synergy to do all the production. Um, and it would be a tribute to the life of Bob Marley. So he agreed on the condition that the negotiating was done by an American legal company that <coughs> he had connections with. And they came down and they said, okay, they would do the cash flow required to do the show, but the government would take 90% and Synergy would get 10%. Mm. And they would pay us 45000 Jamaican dollars to produce the event. I said, but we said, but look, we've sacrificed our time, our assets, almost our family to get the thing to this point. How can you tell us about 10%? We said, well, take it or leave it. And then Tom Finston came in, was, I don't know if he was a senator then, but he was a good friend of ours, and he said, look, go back to the prime minister. Tell him that you need, you will take 20%. They will say yes, and they did. Um, it was a bit of a, I wouldn't say it's a dispute, but we feel that we were never accounted to for the proceeds of Sunsplash 1981. We know that DNG put up the seed money as sponsorship. We know that Electra Records made a sizable U.S. advance to record it. Um, and we have never really received any of that income. Now have we ever got a real set of profit and loss? to know what really happened there. So we went along, because, you know, we, the fanatics, had our eye on, you know, Synergy never, ever concentrated on profit or making money. Mm. We were so gung-ho about the festival and the music and we bringing people from Australia and England and Austria and Africa and people coming in like, Crazy. That that was what our kick was was out of. Come eighty two now. We said, you know what? We need a more equitable deal with the government. And so we went back to them and we said, look, let's work this thing out that we can split it fifty fifty. And Minister Bartlett said, no. No way. Um, no. We suggested, Tony suggested, that we reverse the 80-20. Mm. We take 80, you take 20, we find the money. He said, no. The best we can do for you is 50-50. And my late, now deceased partner, took the minister straight in his eye and said, here what are we going to do? <laughs> We're going to take 100% and you don't get nothing. <laughs> straight up. Yeah. And he said to us, then there won't be a sunsplash. And the following day, we got a call from the parish council cancelling our reservation of Jared Park. The same day, we got a call from DNG saying that unless we went to the minister, they would not be doing any sponsorship. Every door started to close. So, this being Jamaica, and me going to Jamaica College with Anthony Abrams, who was mm. the minister, okay. <laughs> I go to Anthony and say, watch me now. <laughs> Here's what is happening. And he had a good laugh. And I never forget what he did. He called in Mr. Bartlett. He called in Tony King from the tourist board. <clears throat> and he said to them, do you know that if somebody brings one person to Jamaica, they're involved in tourism? And they said, yeah. He said, do you understand how many people these guys bring to Jamaica for their event? Silence. He said, okay, let's, let me tell you how it's going to work. They are to be in the tourist board budget for support. They're not to come and ask for nothing. You decide what you can afford, put it in the budget, and every year they are to get that. That turned out to be only 50,000 Jamaican dollars. But in a way, it was a victory. He said they should get, they will get Jared Park, and I don't know about D&G, but 
there to be no blocking of synergy in the production of this festival here. And so we went back to work. We had some friends who helped us with money. And then it's the next thing we knew, there was a polio epidemic breakout. <laughs> and Mr. Bartlett canceled all independent celebrations. Mm -hmm. And so everybody, all eyes now turn to us. Mm -hmm. Those are the one talk program now, Mr. Tate. Public eye. Public eye. And them cussers. And them cussers. <laughs> and them cussers. Boy, these guys were now interested in money. Here we have this health threat and crowds not to get together and they continue to. But on the other side of the fence, was a word from the Prime Minister saying, don't stop promoting, you know, because if you cancel this event because of a polio epidemic, the winter season is dead. So he said, well, come out and say something. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, man, just keep on doing what you're doing. So we had to fight through it and do it, mm. you know? And that's when we brought in Aswad, I think. Yes, 1982. Yeah. And the festival just really started to grow. Concessionaires now understood how to cater. <coughs> the shows were running into daylight, so yeah. a breakfast trade started. Because the truth is, the tourists were scared to go back to the hotels from Jared Park in the dark. Mm. They would much rather sit on the grass and wait till daylight, and mm -hmm. then they would leave, and so that developed into a, a kind of a new form. All night till daylight. Yeah. All night till daylight. So we yeah. did the pressure now on us to end by 3 o'clock. Mm -hmm. We just start show that, and just run the shows, mm -hmm. you know? But you forget a thing, man. You forget about 1982, what was one of the most outstanding uh, development at, at, at Sunsplash. You don't remember? No, remind me now. The emergence of King Yellowman. No, King Yellowman, was it 82? Yes. Or was it 84? 82. 82. What King Yellowman did mm -hmm. was to introduce dance hall night. Yes. Now, Thursday night was a throwaway. Mm -hmm. Wednesday, vintage. Mm -hmm. Against all the criticism and the reasoning, our reasoning was, look here, we may not make any money. But these guys, oh, we are all here. Without what they did and their sacrifices, we wouldn't be here. So let's give them a little taste of the mm -hmm. thing. Okay, Thursday night was whatever, because we're really gearing for Friday and Saturday mm -hmm. when Kingston come in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, that night, first of all, it was the first thing we realized was the tickets were going crazy. Mm -hmm. Ticket sales for Thursday night were going crazy. We're saying, mm -hmm. what's going on? And the word came back that it was about yellow. So by the time we got to time to bring him into the park, we realized that we were in serious trouble. We, we had almost a riot outside. People pressuring to get in. When, when the Benz came with him, mm -hmm. we couldn't even open the doors. People were chasing the cars. So I said, drive back into Montego Bay, put him in a taxi, bring back the Benz. So we used the Benz as a decoy driving around the park and people chasing after it while we smuggled him in with the taxi. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it, it was chaotic. We, Giant Park had these two giant metal gates yeah. where the trucks would come in. And the gate was just moving with people. Mm -hmm. And Tony said, whoa, let's get all the dogs from the security and line up because this gate is going to come down. And then it's when the gate came down, crashing down, the dogs bolted. <laughs> it was a comical scene watching these security guards chasing, <laughs> trying to catch their dogs. <laughs> but that became the heartbeat of the festival. And that's where I personally have a dilemma because I'm an old timer when it comes to Rocksteady and Burning Spear mm -hmm. and Bob Marley. But this Charlie Chaplin, Papa Sun, Yellow Man, yeah. King Stitchy, Admiral Bailey. Daddy Lizard. 
They were bringing in five, six times. Red Dragon. That's right. The amount yeah. of it was, it became, it was incredible the kind of tour. We were getting 23, 25, 28,000 mm. people trying mm. to get into Jared Park. I mean, it, it, we realized that we could no longer operate there. Mm. So, when, well, 82, it was Jared Park. 83, it was Jared Park. No, 84. 83, no. It we was to, no, Bob Marley. Bob went to Bob Marley. Bob Marley, yeah. Because when we are struggling with Jared Park, mm. the government is busy building a venue mm -hmm. for the World Music Festival. Yes. And we couldn't get over that. <laughs> Here we are, filling these hotels mm -hmm. with local music. I mean, what better tourism can you get? You're not putting out any foreign exchange. And you're earning maximum for it. Your hotels are filled. And you are building a venue for some guys. A one a one week festival, world music festival, one off. One off? Yeah. I, I remember the World Music Festival. This was the first time we were seeing Rick James, yeah. the Grateful Dead. Uh, okay. Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> uh, you're right about that. All all of these major right. acts from like from Peter Tash yeah. Tash cost everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, Peter performed too. Yeah, yeah. of course, everybody. Yeah. To spend that whole 20 minutes just mm. costing the shit thing. Yeah. You know? And <clears throat> I must tell you, that was, that was a shocker for us. That we could be here fighting with a venue that clearly was inadequate, with a growing local event that was doing everything tourism wanted. Especially after <clears throat> Yellow Man and that, and that yes. awesome concert. Performance in, in Jared Park. So we decided 83 was going to be our fifth anniversary. Mm -hmm. We would go to the Bob Marley Center. <clears throat> but the Bob Marley Center was more than we could manage. It was just too big. Mm -hmm. It didn't have the boundaries. I mean, you could come in from the sea. Mm -hmm. We just couldn't manage it. We did a good training because we brought in musical youth mm -hmm. as a youngster and hot at the time and we put together the scatterlights. <clears throat> so from that point of view it was fine. But at the end of the day we realized that boy we can't manage this place. So we were gonna go we went back to Jared Park. <clears throat> we went to Jared Park eighty four, eighty five and we were lucky people didn't get killed. It was, dance all night was, we welcomed it, but it mm. was a nightmare. Mm. Just to manage the inflows. The first dance all night, <coughs> when it was labeled dance all night, yeah. you had a, a, about 45,000 people. We had about 30,000 plus. You see, we mm. used to go by what we could collect. Yeah. We never went by the estimates. Of, uh, the actual, <laughs> the actual, actual amount, yeah. Right. Yeah. And... But I'd, I'd say it would be about, about 40, 45,000 people, man. It was frightening. Yeah. I remember that we couldn't walk through the crowd to get to the stage. We had to walk right around the perimeters by yeah. the stalls just to get there. And we nearly lost. One, 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 one night, we got this alarm that a tourist woman had died at, three tourist women had died at the gate. When we got to the gate, we found these two ladies lying on the ground. They had fainted. They weren't dead. But their friend was pinned under a barrier that had overturned, mm. and people were standing on top of the barrier, and mm. she was underneath it. Wow. Because the barrier had like three, four-foot legs. Mm -hmm. Like, we were enough space. Yeah. So we had to untangle that crowd to get her out. And that's when we said, you know what? <coughs> this can't work. Let's go back to... Bob Marley Center, by which time Bob Marley Center had been totally abandoned. Mm -hmm. Everything was gone. Mm -hmm. Electrics, toilets, pipes, stalls, fences, mm -hmm. all gone. It had a forest growing in it. Went to the government and I said, well, you can use it, but we're not spending a dollar. <coughs> Whatever happens here, you have to do yourself. So with very limited resources, we took it on. Charles Campbell will always be a hero when it comes to the Barbary set. We bushed it, 
put in my toilets, 50 toilets, put in my car electrics, mm. we built the stalls, we built the offices, we rebuilt the Wavan Center over six years. Every cent we had went to some new part of it. And it was, we shortened it. It was just too big for us to manage. So we shortened it and built this ring road around that stallholders could drive around. And really we had quite a successful run. We had refurbished the place to the extent where the UDC now turned to us and said, well, they want to get rent for it. Mm. And comically, the letter said that if we are not willing to pay rent on it, we should return it in the condition in which we received it, mm. <laughs> which was laughable. Yeah. Okay? So we ignored that, and we stayed there. In 1990, I think it was, we got formal notice to quit because the UDC wanted the property back. They planned to sell it, sell it as a housing development, which it is today. We went into a meeting with them, and we said, well, what, where do we go? They said they have this property at Catherine Hall that they are prepared to prepare and have ready for us that we can just walk in and do our thing. The engineers at the meeting, the UDC engineers said, well, Dr. Lawrence, I don't think that can work. It will take us a couple years maybe to prepare Catherine Hall to the level where these guys can just use it. So we suggested to give them another two years, which he did. Mm. Foolishly, we kept looking at Catherine Hall, seeing no development, and thinking, well, let's just continue on here. And then with, I think about six or eight months to go, the UDC enforced our eviction. <coughs> and give themselves like four months to prepare the Catherine Hall. We got hurt in two ways. One is everything that was in the Barbara Center belonged to us. Mm -hmm. Every single thing, every light bulb. Mm -hmm. We went down to do an inventory of what we could salvage and we were denied entry. UDC had posted security who said, we're not allowed to go inside. I said, but everything there belonged to us. We said, well, you have to go, you have to get a letter. So we went back to Kingston, <coughs> got this letter, because a week and a half, went back down, and everything was gone. Everything was gone. 50 odd toilets, mm -hmm. all the electrical fittings, all the construction of 1,200 stalls, of 120 stalls, mm -hmm. everything had been vandalized and taken out. Changing fence, everything was gone. <clears throat> when we go to Catherine Hall, the engineer said to us, look, we don't have a parking area. How can we not have a, a area where people can park? Well, we have a parking area. We can't give you the 50 toilets that you have. We can give you six. We didn't have time to put grass down, so you're on mall. We can't do a perimeter fence. So we're going to keep people out. They said, well, there's a moat that runs along around the property that will keep people out. <laughs> These guys, they don't understand. When a Jamaican man wants to go to a concert, they tell them about him, can't go through. Mm. So when we realized that the capacity of the place was maximum 10,000, we don't have the bathrooms. We're on a fence. We're on a parking area. We can't use this place. Mm. 
And that is how the move to Jamoran came about. Because mm-hmm. Kemskefri had shown Charles this design for this virtually entertainment city out there. It was Jamoran was only one entity. Mm-hmm. There were clubs and theaters and shops and turned out that Jamoran was the only development out there. And our first year in Jam World, 93, was okay. Yeah. You, Masakela, performed. That's correct. Yeah, I interviewed him. Yes. Why well, I love that guy. Was such great a nice man, great guy. man, great man. Nice, easygoing yeah. guy, you know? Amazing. <coughs> uh, when, I, when I interviewed him, I was surprised at how friendly and gentle Absolutely. and nice... You know, he was great personality. Really, a very late one of the highlights of, of my of my broadcasting <laughs> career. Yes, you know, interviewing yeah, the great Hugh Yeah, it was a joy to deal with, man. Yeah, Arthur Martin was a make sure I was preferred Martin. <laughs> <laughs> he made sure yeah. of that. I know we're talking about the 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 business side of the the sun splash, but I don't want listeners to believe that. Sunsplash was just, you know, uh, what do we call the, the the business side and the struggles and all of that. Let's talk about some of the performances at Sunsplash over the years. Uh, I remember the first time at when it was dubbed Dance All Night, and I think that was at, not necessarily. I don't think it was at at, at Jared Park. I think the first time it was dub dance all night was, was at was, was Bob Marley, and that year uh, persons like um, Daddy Lizard, mm-hmm. Flower Gun, Red Dragon, General Trees, and and others. I can't Tre- remember Tre- anymore. Trees was yeah outstanding every year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Automatic booking. Yeah. You know, yeah. I remember. <clears throat> Gil Scott Heron yeah. coming. Tell us some of the foreign acts that you used to bring down. With. 82, it was Aswad. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the year of Gil Scott Heron, but I remember... 83 was Gil Scott yeah. Heron and the musical youth. Mm-hmm. And then we went to Steel Pulse. Yeah. Um, that was an amazing morning. Boy, Steel Pulse. You know, it was even more amazing. Let's go yeah. back a few years to Jared yeah. Park. Yeah. When Blue Ridden Band came. Ah, that was the start of the, the foreign invasion, <laughs> yes. the, re, the real impact nobody, of, of foreigners. Nobody knew what to expect. Yeah. But we had their records. Mm-hmm. And everybody was waiting on yellow. Mm-hmm. And people were here slumbering along. And these guys were on the stage and they started to chant, We don't want a white man. We want a yellow man. We mm-hmm. don't want a white man. And just, the chant just kept going on. Yeah. I went blue with him and started. <laughs> it blew everybody away. Because they were strictly into Coxon yeah, era of yeah, music. Yeah. And they were really absolutely outstanding. To the chant change. What a yellow man, what a white man. <laughs> so that was the beginning of bringing in acts. There are so many acts that came in that I can't remember because you had acts from Germany, from mm-hmm. Africa, from yeah. the States that would pay their own way down here yeah. just to be on the show. Mm. And <clears throat> the ones that really stick out in memory is Steel Pulse, Maxi Priest, Gwen Guthrie, not to forget Shinehead. Yes. Who called our bluff? Shannon used to come around and teach us that none of them can perform like me. And we mm. didn't know anything about it, man. Yeah. <coughs> so, okay, and start, start, started, chance, his, started his performance <coughs> from, from the sound rig. I'm telling you. Yeah, from front of house. From the front and of walk house. And yeah. walked through the crowd. Yeah. Blew everybody yeah. away, you know? I can't forget at uh, uh, Bob Marley Center also, Black Uru. In the early morning, yeah. I, I think it's. I think the show ended at about ten o'clock. Yeah, the, 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 the sound, the sound, the sound, the sound. I think you had had some. Some Byron Lee was in charge of sound that year, and yes. brought in some people from from the United States to assist. 
Yeah. And I was and on the, the I, I was on this the, the sound rig, and when the concert was just going and nobody was leaving, and Black Ouro with Sly and Robbie yes. was tearing down the place, yes. and one of the guys from Miami said, "Listen." We have to make a plane. We have to leave and fade it down. Everything. That is how the concert ended that, 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 that morning. Those concerts are out of control. I remember the 83 one, the third world closed the show at some to two in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. I had, I ran away. First thing, I'd see wind, so I would mm -hmm. walk to that time. About four or five o'clock, I ran away. I have to confess. I ran away because I had promised Chalice that daylight wouldn't catch them. Mm -hmm. Because they had constructed this beautiful lighting rig mm -hmm. that said Chalice. Mm -hmm. And they had said, it has to be in the night. Mm -hmm. And as the concert wore on, and I started to sit down and say, you know what? I can't face these guys again. So I went over to the hotel, fell asleep, got up at one o'clock, said to my wife, what time did this show end? She laughed. She said, come here. I'm going to the door. I look. And dust is flying and music is tearing away. Third world is on the stage mm -hmm. at one o'clock in the day. Yeah. You know? And people tell me that those are best sound splash. I'm like, I don't know. But the foreign acts, let me see who else. We had Levi. Papa Levi. The one from England? Yeah. Yes. Um, There's a group called Macaw. Remember that yeah, group? Both of those guys died. Yeah. Yeah. They were from LA. Mm -hmm. You know? Ras Moore. Um, he helped us a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a couple of times when Ras Moore really dig, dug deep in his pocket and loaned us some very vital money. It's a sunspot became a family. Mm -hmm. It became really, it became a movement of. An ever-growing ever group mm -hmm. of people, you know? Yeah. And um, I don't want to knock some things, but there's something that we had that is missing, that, mm. that kind of family. Yeah. You know? It, it, anyway, um, things progress and we move on. What I haven't spoken about was taking Sunsplash out of Jamaica, which our first move was with Tony. Tony relocated to L.A., started the tours up there, and built those tours over about a six-year period, and mm. we got to the peak. We were in Radio City. Um, we were in America's top venues. Some of which had never had reggae before. Mm -hmm. But Tony had molded the thing in such a compact and efficient unit. We were always on time. Mm -hmm. We always ended on time. Mm -hmm. The discipline was amazing. We toured <coughs> pretty much all of North America. Then we went to London, did London Sunsplash. That's where we met Maxi Priest. Took the scatterlights over there, Prince Buster. Um, Heptones, King Sonia Day, beautiful event, 25,000 people sold out. Went back the following year, sold out again, 25,000 people. And then the community rebelled. There's a boy, garbage in the streets, Peter Park, or the water park. And so they. <coughs> applied to the council to block us, which they did. Hmm. We went to Wembley the following year, couldn't get the stadium, so I went to the arena, sold out two shows at 7,500 easily. <coughs> and then we went to Clapham Common, free show, sponsored by the council. The police estimate is 250,000. Mm -hmm. Brought out all the security London had. Helicopters, horses, closing of tube stations, and they said to us, never again. <laughs> <laughs> the power of reggae. Never again. Yeah. What about Japan? We did Japan in 85. We did three shows with massive crowds. 
And I tell you what Japan was to us, a revelation of technology. Mm. Unbelievable. All the set changes and the all the hitches technically mm -hmm. that we were accustomed to. Yeah. But all the Japanese had it covered. Mm -hmm. You know? The problem we had with Japanese the Japanese was <coughs> we had a partner and we did Regasons Plus Japan. And the following year they changed the name to Japan Splash. Splash. And cut us out of mm. the equation. Mm. So we did three beautiful shows in Japan. And then we went through Europe. Amazing turnouts. I mean, we had to stay in like Holland for five consecutive nights mm. of, of solo shows. On to Belgium, Germany, France. The amazing thing now is uh, that all of these uh, countries have reggae they festivals. Have their own festivals. Their own reggae now. festivals. That's right. So Rotterdam, which started in Italy, yeah. And move to Spain because they run them out of Italy is 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 one of the biggest. Yeah, it's like a Reggae Gil in Belgium, mm -hmm. uh Germany have uh summer jam. Mm -hmm. You know. All 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 of the, uh, every every European country have a reggae festival now. And well, they never had it before before, before. No, we opened all yeah. those doors. Yeah. You know, first of all we would take part in ongoing festivals. Mm. So we'd get a few hours and yeah. then it, the festival became built around mm -hmm. reggae. You mm -hmm. know? Um, I still don't think that the powers that they understand the value of a Jamaican culture. Mm -hmm. Music is part of it. But yeah. the whole Jamaicanism of us is a commercial, you know. The language. It's a the, serious brand. The mannerism. Yes. The way we the talk. Oh, I mean, the, the 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 late night comedians, the black ones especially, yeah. have a ball at our expense, mm -hmm. trying to imitate us, you know. And I, I just, I'm happy for Rebel Salute. <clears throat> not that I've not been to some fest recently, mm -hmm. especially since it's been taken over. But there's something about Salute that brings back to me the whole essence and feel of what Sunsplash was mm. about, you know? Um, and I really, I tell you the truth, I look at today's music and I really wonder, is it my age or is it that we're not as hot as we used to be? Is it that dance hall has more or less taken over. It has its attractions and it has its shortcomings, musically, lyrically. Mm -hmm. And I also realize that our music is a part of our evolving culture. It's not something that's designed commercially. It's, mm -hmm. it's how we are. It's yeah. how we live. It's, yeah. how we, it's, yeah. what, you know? it's organic. Right. Mm. So in a sense, you can't, too directed because mm -hmm. it's not as commercial as you yeah. like it to be. Yeah. You have to really mm -hmm. go with it. Yeah. You know? And what I also realize is that if it continues to grow, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like Boston over Congo. Mm. Reggae is just. It's less dynamic. Jamaican popular music is just dynamism, mm -hmm. and uh, it's, it's it's unique in that sense because it can't, as you said, continues to grow. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, as an academic, I call the the, the, the 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 creation of our Jamaican popular music uh, a, a creative echo chamber, which just continues to grow and grow and grow mm -hmm. and grow and mm -hmm. evolve in a very organic way. You know, and uh, I think sometimes we 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 we're at a point now that we are kind of stagnant because we don't understand the process of the making of Jamaican music. And for, so for instance, now I believe that uh, we're having an identity crisis because the music that we're doing is not necessarily what we could label dancehall in the strictest sense. And 
the, the, the problem is that there are different, different, while, 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 while you can't label Jamaican popular music just by one label. Because you have reggae, mm-hmm. reggae always there. You, you have, although we don't have a rocksteady band, rocksteady is always in the mix. Sky is always in the mix. Mm-hmm. And so, and dancehall is always in the mix. But what we have done, I believe, and quite erroneously, is to label everything, the culture, the movement, the music, although it's evolving, we're still calling it dancehall. Mm-hmm. And it's bigger than the dancehall label. And, and, and so I think we are at a crossroads where we need to identify that the music is continuing to grow and we can't label it the same way. We can't call everything that comes out of Jamaica mm-hmm. reggae or dancehall. Give, give an example. Some people call everything that comes out of Jamaica reggae, especially from the outside. And so dancehall had to fight for a space at one point. And now we're making the same mistake. And although the music is moving in different directions and being influenced by outside sounds and what is happening internally, we're still labeling it dancehall. And that label is inadequate. But also, I remember there was a time when the dancehall lyrics could keep you abreast with every little current. Show style commentary. Yeah. And I don't find that to be so mm. anymore. Mm. And I also find that our reggae lyrics are not universal. Like when Bob used to sing about mm. African yeah. revolution. And yeah. We're not there anymore. What you, what you be, what you, what's, what's, your, what's the best thing about being involved with Synergy and, and Sunsplash for you? For me, it was a lesson that the will and the desire and the energy to do something mm-hmm. is what you need more than the money. Mm-hmm. Because if anybody could have told us that with the capital of 9,000 Jamaican dollars, which is what we had, mm. that we could build a brand that, although we are no longer involved in that brand, 40 years later, it is still recognizable, mm. you know? And so the lesson to me and to young people is start. Start. Don't just sit down and think, boy, if only, and start. Mm-hmm. Jump off for the, the diving board into yeah. the water. Mm. You will learn to swim. What's the biggest regret? My biggest regret is the lack of recognition of a powers that be of what this music can do and has done. For instance, I really wonder economically if the selling of the Bob Marley Center on a one-off to a housing developer is more beneficial to the government than an event that fills your hotel rooms every year. Let's talk straight dollars now. Mm-hmm. 20 years that we would have been there because, let's face it, the capacity of Hall is 10 to 12,000. It has its natural limits. Where we were, we were expanding beyond our borders. Mm. You know? And my regret is that <coughs> You know, things like GCT. Government never used to charge GCT on concerts. You know, they started with us, and they went retroactive. You know, we borrowed. Let me tell you something that happened to us in '86 or '87. <clears throat> we used to pay payola, editorial payola. I'm not talking radio now. Mm. Entertainment writer, Tur, and it's a writer is either. Mm-hmm. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. And we were going so well that we said, you know what? We're not doing that anymore. And the response to that was a full page article on, a f- on Dance Hall night Thursday. The star came out in red 
son's pastor's also predicted. The well-known psychic predicts at the bottom of the center will sink at midnight. <laughs> we had already sold 17,000 tickets in advance. Mm -hmm. And we had to run and shut down our ticket offices because people wanted their money back. And so... <laughs> We came up well short on that dance all night. Mm. And that rebounded to going back to the bank, borrowing a million Jamaican dollars mm. at 23%. Mm. In came that FinSAC era, mm. and we ended up at 92.5%. Mm. Couldn't pay that. Mm. So we were faced with nearly $6 million of GCT, back taxes, and we were faced with a bank loan that was escalating by the minute. And so you asked me about regrets, and I'm saying, good God, can't, can't the powers that be recognize the jeopardy that this, this group is in? Recognize what we had done to that point. And say, well, how can we work this out in some other way? No, sir. So we went belly up. We went belly up, you know. Even the treatment of the refurbishing of the Bob Marley Center. How can you justify that you can build a Bob Marley Center for a foreign promoter who comes in for one year only? And when your locals want to use it, you tell them, boy, you have to spend your money, you know. Because we're not spending no more money on it. The whole... It seems to me that we never, ever in the minds of, of a lot of people got beyond Rasta, Ganja. Mm -hmm. That's what we were. Mm -hmm. You know? So, it's just so sad to see that narrow view. And I said that because in the middle of what we were doing, Carnival started. Mm -hmm. We not to be turning on sponsors. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's where our values are. Yeah. For the powers that be. Ronnie, we could go on and go on. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been enlightening and, 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 and it brought me down some some serious memory lanes. Yes, we had a, we had good times. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, overall Sunsplash was a great great institution. You guys were pioneers. You made a major contribution to the development of Jamaica. And I mean that sincerely that you guys did what uh, a lot of other institutions did not do, you know. And so we have to congratulate you for that. I appreciate that. And, and, and uh, you know, we know you're going to get the, the recognition <laughs> and honor that you, you, you all deserve. Well, I've got some recognition. I've been awarded. I've got a what you call it from the government. But my, my regret is that when, when I got that award, I said to them, can't it be an award to synergy? I mm. said, no, it has to be an individual. Mm. And the truth is, we never really broke ourselves down into individuals. Mm. We were synergy. We were just throwing it down, John, yeah, yeah. Max, and myself. You know? So I w that recognition of which you speak goes to a bigger family mm. beyond just me. All right, Johnny. Good talking to you. Thank you, sir. All right. My pleasure. Great.